shit's fire. Uh, this is a fucking banger. Ladies and gentlemen, cats, snakes, dogs, chicken, elderly people, workers, and twerkers. Damn. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't give a fuck. It's the ruckus. What the fuck you expect? I body slapped my wife, my nigga, man. <laughs> You're right. I fucked up. Ah, my ears. Yo, yo. Yeah. To another podcast. Um, it's your a, boy cracking. We have a full. We have a full squad today, and we have a special guest, ASAP Jordan. Uh, this <laughs> he called him by his Jordan. Jordan. Jordan with a Y, Papa. I was hoping I could leave with the introduction, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Go ahead. I can. I can edit this out. Don't nah, worry like, about cool. it. I, I, I erase cracking. All right, what's going on, boys and girls? We here at the Ruck. It's your boy, Cuban Mike, and you know the rest of these degenerates. Um, tonight yes. we have a guest here, and I will say about this man right here, we've been, we've been pretty much doing some work here for like what, almost like ten months now, almost a year. Say that. We can say that. Yeah. Um, this man here, he's very, very, what can I say? Unbelievable man. Um, he he has a story to tell us, and um. I will say this, you know, the older I you get, I don't know if you guys feel this, but you know, the older you get, your circle of friends gets smaller and smaller. And you know, it, whether it's life or marriage or whatever the case may be, you can't really hang out with your people the, the way you want to. <clears throat> After I went through my ordeal in 2020, and you know, oh yeah, we're gonna do this again. Me connecting okay. with Lou. Me into me, Lou introduced me to your guy, to, to you, to you guys. Um, the circle got kind of got bigger and bigger, and I could definitely say that we. I feel like we're you know got a connection, but I feel like I got some kind of um kindred spirit with guys. Um, same thing, same feeling I got with the guys that went to a Puerto Rico. Same thing with SoCalibur. Shout out to Rob, happy birthday, and I would say it's you. Um, um. To our guests, I feel as though we got a, a, a kindred spirit, you know, just out the fact ain't too many of us here in Massachusetts. You know what I mean? Just out the fact you came from where you came from, you came up here and you've been doing just like tremendous work with the community. And, you know, um, um, I'm thankful, you know, for all the things you've done for us. And, you know, we always, I always have this joke to say like, you know, somebody does something so great and you feel the people after them, you know, protect them at all costs. And, you know, I feel as though as community, we must protect them at all costs because you've done so much work for us, to, for, for the community. And plus, this nigga owes me $93.73 because I bought him some shit and, you know, I ain't even gonna include the so taxes. fucking you know, said, bro? God damn. <laughs> I got you my IOU, nigga. But nah, man. just spit a bar? Yeah, man. Bars. Bars. But yeah, man, amazing gentlemen. I like to do Jordan Villalon, and thank you for being on the show, brother. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you. Wonderful introduction. Kendrick Spares, and we got a lot more work to do. So, jo- Jordan, what would you do if you had to kill your grandma? Like if she what was real sick, you had to. Do you believe in euthanasia? Uh. Can, you, can y'all hear me? No, yeah, yeah, man. Go ahead. Just your, this video is delayed, Mike. We can hear him. Oh, I can't hear him for okay. shit. My grandma was a G. She probably say, "Yo, pull the plug." If, if she was in that in, in that situation, 
There you go. You see, people know how to answer questions quick, so we know we know that he knows what he's doing. So the first topic of the night is <laughs> weird ass question. I'm just gonna say that, man. Oh yeah, it's from uh, you never you never seen Pineapple Express. That's a hell of a fucking icebreaker right there. <laughs> yeah. You never seen Pineapple Express? That's the first question. Um, the 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 weed dealer asked Seth Rogen. Oh yeah. I don't watch I don't watch James Franco anymore. He's a rapist. But you didn't watch it back then. You knew ahead of time that he was on a rape. No, I, wa- <laughs> I have a look. <laughs> he knew. There was there was rumors. You you, you walked into rumors. That. Yeah, he, yeah, he went away. Fuck for him. A while. He took Spider Man's girl. Fuck him. No, he's not back. He's not back. He's, he's not, not gonna be yet? back for a while now. In case man, in case Seth Rogen dropped him. If Seth Rogen dropped him, he's done. Damn. Yeah. Oh, I, I I got that line from that movie, and I thought that shit was hilarious when it happened. So, anyways, <laughs> um, the first topic. We got the Amazon Union. So yes, those that for those that don't know, um, and actually, what state? What state did it happen in? What what was the actual? In was it Florida, York? Long Island, right? It was in New York. Yeah, in New York. Yeah. So New we York got, was the one that got a- we got the first Amazon Union got together in New York, and we're pushing back against some of the crazy. Um, capitalist practices that Amazon was doing. Um, and I don't know much about... Like peeing on yourself? Staten Island, my bad. Staten, Staten Island. Island. New York. Yep. Anybody has any experience with Amazon? Like, behind the scenes? Yes. I worked for them that, for two months. how that functions? Any, I worked here? I worked for them for two months. No? All right. Nice job, guys. Yep. What you mean? No, he just said he just said that he worked with them for two months. You can't hear Cuba. Uh, uh, oh, I can't hear Cuba. My bad. That Second, you got him muted. I know. I know he was saying something in the maga like last time. You probably have him muted. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I mute anybody yeah. that doesn't agree with me. That's my that's my go to. And, and, and you mean you you also mute everybody that doesn't like Selena. You know what's funny? I also worked for Amazon <laughs> for two like, months too. It was exactly two months because I got fed up. Yeah. So, yeah. are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, like why, so well, what was your experience? What, what's up? I worked it, it, during the COVID time. Oh, so it was like shit. the worst time. Yeah, nigga, I was on. It was, it was a deathbed out there. God, I lost, I, I lost my job, and you know, I needed an emergency job, and they took me in, and it was nuts out there. You ungrateful was, little shit. No, nah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> 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 no, um, suck for the most part, but you know, I got good money out of it. And you know, well, even after I left, they gave me a nice little bonus for being a uh, what's the what's the word, uh, essential worker? Oh, I was yes. the greatest uh, worker. Wow. <laughs> they, they hooked us up after they I gave left. you a bonus and you quit. You're like, thanks for the bonus amount. Yeah, pretty much. They, they, <laughs> they you it, it's How a well paid. It's a well paid slave ship. Yeah, pretty much. It's a well paid slave. Two months. It's correct. a well. It's a well-paid slave ship. It's so like, can you, can you speak more on that, Casey? Like like what's what was what all right. Was so like? imagine. Uh, so the good thing about it, because every everything is pros and cons. Now listen, if if you're a person that likes to do one thing and 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 knock it out and go home, then that job is probably for you. Now the thing is that you work four days, you're off three. That's also a plus, which a lot of companies should do. But you're working ten hours a day. Um, they they have uh, times where it's peak which is like from October all the way to January, which is when everybody orders their Christmas gifts. 
where you have to mandatory work an extra hour or two after your 10 hour shift, which I found insane. Damn, 12 hours. Yeah, exactly. So by the time I was on my seventh or eight hours, I couldn't feel the I couldn't feel my feet. Like I had to get special soles. So, all right, so that's another thing. This is twelve hours stand, ten, twelve hey. hours standing. Yes, yeah, so if you're not a forklift oh, driver, wow. yeah, you're, you're you're that's it. You're standing all day. Um, you are constantly uh, a supervisor passes. I would say every about an hour to let you know your production rate. They track your progress if oh, you're the whole time. If you fall behind, they'll let you know like what's going on. Okay, let's work faster. What's what do you need? You need some water. You can, I'll bring you the water. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Don't leave your station. Yeah, god, that's how it is. So so and then the production in, in, in order in, in order to have the production like sat like satisfied or whatever was it was it up like was it hard to maintain the production that they were asking for? It, it's not. It, it, what happens, I was in the receive where we just get, we just open the boxes, we scan, we open the boxes, we empty them, we put them on the cart, and we line up the cart once the cart is full. You got to do, I, it's something like, it ends up being like a box a minute or a box every two minutes, which is insane when you think about it. The amount of time that you're working, the amount of boxes you have to open, it's kind of insane. And sometimes it gets to a point where you're opening a box of, uh, how you say, fucking bisagras, uh, lo, la llavina de, de, de abrir la puerta like they have oh, it's, like, it's like Home Depot shit. yeah so they got doorknobs in there nails they got all this different types of shit all that shit is in one box you have to empty that shit that's like 50 pounds when I got that box I was like this job's not for me I was like fuck this place and plus a bunch of dildos too this is the first conversation I was gonna we had. say yeah the first, <laughs> the the first pod yeah there's yeah. a bunch of dildos uh, and then oh, for real and yeah <laughs> that shit was hilarious bro. <laughs> and and, and Chris Christopher Smalls, that's the dude's name, the the guy that started the the union. So now oh, wow. now he's responsible for let me look eighty three hundred workers at that oh, same in warehouse. one site in, in one, one site. site. Bro. Yep. Right. Shit. I mean, the real work yeah. starts now. I mean, you unionize and stuff like that, but you got to find a way to maintain some type of order within the union, right? Because now he has a lot of power. Right, and with power comes a lot of responsibility, and with power uh-huh. comes a lot of if you're not careful, corruption. Was so, this Batman? What my, my line? Spider Man? Spider Man? Uh, you mean you there wanted you a TED Spider-Man. talk, nigga? There's a TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought with great man. power was comes man. great responsibility. Hold that. That was Meteor Man. I, I mean, I, I think it's needed, definitely. Um, listen, and like I said, it's a great job for a lot of people. Cause I met a lot of people who who love the job, and um. If you like to be active, if that's your type of job, that's fine. I just feel like it, I, I, another thing was that you take your break, right? You get two 15-minute breaks and a half an hour lunch. But the lunch rooms are like, I don't know, like it's like a five-minute walk. So if you have a 15-minute break, imagine. You got to walk five minutes. By the time you get there, you sit for four minutes and you got to walk back because they want you to be at your station when the shift, when the break is done. Long so that's the, type. At the bathroom. Exactly. The bathroom also. They started that when I worked there. They didn't count the minutes that you were gone, but if they if they constantly saw you going to the bathroom, they, you would have that talk, which is insane Damn, to me. That talk. Yeah. That that. I got that injured. Bernie, I got injured. That, that Bernie Mac talk. Remember that Bernie. You got yeah. you got injured, Mike. I got I got injured the second week working over there. I injured my. And you didn't sue. You're not Puerto Rican. I'm an American. How you get injured? Like what happened, bro? Um, I was um, cause I was a driver. 
It had nothing to do with dildos. It had nothing to do with dildos. <laughs> I don't remember what he No, what happened? What happened? I was, I was um, driving, and what happened was one of the doors but it wasn't closing. It kind of, like, broke. And I had to do some hood shit. Like, I had to take off my sneakers. And with the lace, I, I, um, I took off the lace on my sneakers, and I had to tie off, like, the door because it wasn't closing. And I was trying to jump off to, like, to try to get something level off, and I, like, landed wrong. Oh, and shit. I kind of oh, what my, the fuck? Yeah, that sucks, bro. Twisted my ankle. Twisted my ankle. I didn't tell them for, like, two days. They were like, they were like, you got to tell us once you get injured with the case. Oh, yeah, they're ball. big on that, though. I'll give them that. Yeah. Safety. So, Safety. yeah, they were really big on that. So, yeah, they're big on that. I got injured. Yeah. It, it, it's I, I it's not bad. Go ahead. It's, 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 it's shit, but it's not bad. How's time off? Like... Okay, I mean, they, it was my second week working off, day, so like, they yeah, they gave me the time off because I get better, but I had to get back to work. I need to get money. I don't think I don't think any of these guys were there long enough to actually get like time no, off. No, yeah, you do. You know, That's a good uh, thing. A lot of jobs will make you wait the ninety days. The, the ninety days. They, yeah, they gave you a, they gave you like two oh, yeah, sick days, gave, one personal day, right off rip. And they give you health care nah, from day one. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not. I, I thugged it out. I thugged it out because I was in. I was desperate for money, so I had to do what I had to do. It sucked. I did that a few times, and you accumulate hours of vacation, too. So what I did was I only worked two months. But after the second week, I was like, what the fuck? I can't take... Bro, you know how tired you get out of there? Imagine standing on your feet for 10 hours. Like, if you work retail, you know standing on your feet for eight hours is tough. Yeah, when you you work retail, stores, grocery stores and shit, you know. Imagine 10. You're adding another two hours to that. And, And... yeah. Imagine that, and so after two weeks, I got to a point where I I worked like two days, and then I took a day off, <laughs> and I went work, and that that completed my week. I did that for like the last month, so I only was working like two or three days out the week because I had time. Yeah, the last month, the last month I was there, I really wasn't giving a fuck. I think I called like three times. I was like, whatever. Yeah, I ended up getting a new job anyway, but it's they want that two day delivery, bro. That's that prime. Who um, yeah. uh, who tends to be working at this spot? Like, like, what kind of people are we, are we looking at? Like, um, immigrants, it's a, like, a, a it's, lot, a mix. Like, it's, it's a mix, mix. Yeah, it's a mix. Surprised. It's a mix. Yeah. It's a mix. It's pretty diverse, it's like, young yeah. people, yeah. older people, immigrants, yes. Americans. Okay, yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of immigrants as well, too. It, it's a cash 22 because they give you like great benefits, but they'll milk you, they'll fucking milk you. You work for you them, $16. You. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <God> damn. <laughs> they get every ounce of productivity out of you. Yeah. I had read that they um they have the machines or like the sensors and the in the in the roof of the warehouses or in mm-hmm. the ceilings. So they detect all the motion. I'm like, is that seriously how they're tracking this shit? Like this is really like Orwellian in a way, you know, they're kinda like just mm-hmm. looking at every single thing you do. They were looking at a at a bracelet that would that would vibrate when you were about to make an error. If you were, because there's these robots that walk up to you, and you can and you can prepare orders where the, uh, so it it was they were working on a bracelet that will vibrate if you're putting something in the wrong place or scanning something that's wrong. But of course they took that away because that's od. <laughs> yeah, for real. That that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, but I'm glad that they did so, that. It's needed, definitely. Yeah, well overdue too, because they want some fuck shit, abusive power. The, that's so, the thing. It's like this. So um, they have a chance to appeal it, right? 
I don't even know why they don't bother. That's what I'm. Why would they bother? Uh, like, no, they're gonna do it. <laughs> Amazon will probably, if they have oh, Amazon, Amazon they will. it's they, Amazon. They, they're gonna they appeal the fuck out the, of it. The three point just for that warehouse, they spent three point four million. Yeah. Uh, to to basically push back against the unionization move. So. So it's like, yo, y'all don't, y'all really don't give a fuck about about people. It's like this is the shit that's got Jeff Bezos going to space. Well, nobody. Really <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> made more money during COVID than Amazon. Fucking Amazon Jeff Bezos oh, made how many billions? Like yeah, in one week, not. he made like two billion or some shit. Yeah, that's like it. insane. Big, you'll get the joke out of this. Um, remember how like his wife after the divorce, he got like a good chunk of change. Yeah, a good chunk. I'm looking yeah, for her. Yeah, so um, <laughs> well, like in less than like six months, he got all that shit back. He got that yeah. shit back in the middle. Yeah. yeah, it was like it was wow. like six billion, and he got that shit he back. Got, he got that back real quick. And somebody made a joke saying like, "Yo, Jeff Bezos getting that money back is the equivalent of Jay Z losing those ninety two bricks." <laughs> 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 he lost his shit, got it back. Got it back. <laughs> oh shit, man, that's fucking wild. Uh, Jordan, have you been? Uh, Jordan, have you been keeping up with it—the unionization movement with Amazon and all that? Oh, but I recently learned, uh, I guess, about the power of unions mm-hmm. because street for me, they've been treating me like a jerk uh, at PS, and I've uh, been like oh, talking shit. to the people. I've been talking to people. I'm like, yo, what's up with this? I don't want, I don't want homeboy here no more. You know, mm-hmm. um, and they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they're sticking together. But I just learned about that kind of union culture where they have each other's back like that. Yeah, it used uh, to be. It's something. Par- it's something our parents that, that they had that good time. A union job was yeah. Good. Hey, union, el trabajo es de union. Oh, yeah, wow. and yeah. and it still is. It's yeah. That's some but, segment. No, and it still is. Uh, for. Yeah, like like Big says, a lot of segments. You know, you have uh, unions for plumbers and electricians, and it's most of like the trade jobs. Like a lot of the yeah. trade jobs have uh, unions, and it's it's uh, <clears throat> the deunionization of a lot of these other jobs of you know the um, like assembly jobs. Yeah, like the assembly jobs. Uh, well, yeah, the auto, that, well, that's the plans. thing, right? Like it's changed as well, right? Like it's not assembly jobs anymore now. Now, like the majority of jobs are warehousing jobs, right? Or right. um, you have the um hospitality jobs, you know, whether it be right. working yeah. at a restaurant and stuff like that. Like those those jobs don't have that unionization culture that these older jobs from you know the early nineteen hundreds. Um, or or the trade started having right or the trades where they have a lot a lot of power because they're the only ones that could fix your shit right the electricians mm-hmm. could get together and be like and nothing gonna get fixed un- until we you know until... get paid a certain way or <laughs> yeah. whatever it is facts um so it, it comes it with the power of uh of skills right when your skills are disposable or or i could get a hundred other people who could you know, move a box around, then they'll just get rid of you, you know, quick. The, like, the anti-unionization work that some of these companies do, it's insane. Like, um, 
I mean, you have that example, Walmart. right? Amazon, <laughs> Amazon spent $3.4 million just on one warehouse to avoid unionization. And then and, and police yeah. in the language. Yeah. The yeah that's the thing, right? So the, language, the language, you can't yeah, use yeah, any of like crazy. union language, like while. I can do like three columns of shit that you can't even say yeah. in the fucking. In the, so yeah. the chat function for the internal <clears throat> Amazon chat, right? Like, the, you know what I'm saying? Like Slack or whatever. That the function in that they basically uh, uh, amended the code or made some edits to it so that a number, a series of words could not be used. So it was like union, uh, labor, shit like that. They're like, you can't use none of these words in the chat. Basically, it won't come up if you try to type it. Yeah, because crazy. because it's not a it's not government it's not a first amendment violation it's a private organization therefore you go you, if you work for them you you are they can have to they can by the, by the rules and that's the thing right so it's specific um while you're on the clock you can't use that wording once you're off the clock they can't control you right so um at, how about when you're on break if they don't at, pay for it that's the thing right so when you're on break you can talk you can have union talks um with whoever wants to the minute you clock back in that talk has to stop if not the company has the right Corrective to fire action yeah well i mean that, 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 that's great ahead, because i was gonna say a lot of jobs try to shame you from talking about salary as well and you want to know if you're underpaid or not or if the person uh -huh. next to you is doing the same or less of a position and they're making capitalism work. at its finest well, oh. yeah but technically you you can't unless a, a lot of jobs don't even put that in their language they don't even because they assume and I assumed that before it was it was taboo or you shouldn't talk about how much you make. No, and it's just and it shouldn't bullshit. be like that. It's just it's, it's just that me and you are in the same position. I know I came new, but you shouldn't be making ten dollars more than me an hour. Like that does that's no way it works. Right, you know? right. So, um the, there was some dude on on I think on Joe Rogan he used to work for Facebook and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how early the earlier employer employees that started early with Facebook they make a lot more money than the new employees, even though they do the same job by a lot. And nobody talks yeah. about it, but you could tell by, you know, the vacations and why you're dressed, you know, your, your style. Yeah. you have to take <clears throat> into, I mean, you have to take into the account time. Like, you know, you also have to take into account the people, uh, people's time investment in that one company or job, right? If they've been there for 10 years, I mean, they deserve to get paid a Somewhat uh, yeah. more than than a newer employee, and of course the benefits that that come with being there for ten years. Right. Um, I think should it be gap. should it should it be that big of a gap? Probably right. not. Right. So nah. then that's where that's where you have to take into account um, as a company. Um, what's the percentage of increase for the wage for a starter versus the uh, pay raise for someone that already works? Right. And just have that um have that percentage just be slightly higher than the new hire right so that 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 person that's been with the company is always getting that higher uh pay raise right so let's say you do a new hire um you have a base pay set let's say um let's say 100 grand right and then that's the base pay for that position uh 3% increase every year um and that's only for new hires, right? So 
um, if I don't hire anybody this year, next year I hire somebody. So instead of it being a hundred, a hundred grand now it's 103 grand, right? Cause I'm adjusting for inflation, the 3%, right? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then 5% for the person that that's, that's, uh, retaining the job, right? The, the existing employee, they get the 5% increase. So on and so forth. I don't just know so what that, job you'd so be so that, to get no, 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 <laughs> no. It's 1% and 2% or half a percent. Um, it depends on that, the sector. Like, it, 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 it depends on the sector, but I'm just giving an example. I'm not, um, I'm not, that, saying not anything that actually, yeah, I'm not being specific. Um, it's just an example of, of like something that could work, right? Like just, just having a set percentage for, for both scales. The, so something real quick that I did want to mention, just overall what, um, uh, people don't understand the value of unions, especially when it comes to, to little things that we take for granted. The reason that we even have a five day work week in most jobs is really that, you know, like Saturday and Sunday were allocated, were not days off for people for really most of human history. As long as there's been a relationship where somebody makes somebody else work or people have to work to survive, um, you end up having to, you know what I'm saying? Like people had to work every day. So um, things like child labor, uh, having to work every day of the week. Well, I don't uh, find anything wrong breaks. with child labor. And kids need to learn to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. The back hat came back. I was waiting for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's, it's fighting for, for rights and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like the union's been behind a lot of the shit that we get. Yeah. Yo, yo Cuba got the, the Patria y Vida shirt on, bro. Yeah. I'm like, yo. Repping rep, rep heavy, yeah, yeah, repping heavy. Yo, I got, I got the home, homie in the building. Uh, first and form, wait, hold up, hold up, big, Good. big, big. Uh, mom said hi, mom said hi. Yo, that's Latia right there, bro. She cool as fuck, man. For real, for real. Mom said hi. We're, we're taking another trip to DC soon because something's about to be popping out. Only big, only big and Lou ever get highs. I've ever got highs. Well, if you know, if you come to life, you know, we got you. So, mom said hi. We're gonna go to DC again and dinner. I'm going to eat dinner in front of her, but that means most likely I'm fucking paying. But you know, we're gonna eat again. <laughs> nah, that's what's up. That's what's up. I I did want to, um, you know, uh, talk to Jordan because you know what I'm saying, like him being being our guest today, bro. I, I did want to ask, like, where you from? Like, can you tell us a little more about yourself? Because you know, we we. We got we got little info from Mike, but we didn't really, you know, get to 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 talk about any of this early on. And and, and to, to to side note on that, I got to give a shout out to you guys. So you guys did your investigation, and we're gonna get on your ass, Jordan, because we found out some things. <laughs> <laughs> research department on their job. Did, did some yeah, research. Yeah. That's yeah. all. That's all. Yeah, Just a little good. bit. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry. We we, we, we may or may not have addresses and phone numbers, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. But go ahead. I'm a crib. I'm from Miami. I was born in Cuba, raised in Miami. Uh, former athlete, so that's what brought me up to Boston. We, um, I went to school in Atlanta more, and I came up here, LaSalle University, and that's kind of my journey upward towards uh, the top of the East Coast. I went to La Salle for one year. Too too fucking cold, man. What are you doing up hey. there? Hey, <laughs> yeah, you, you said you, cold. you said you visited La Salle, Kraken? 
No, I went. I went, <laughs> I went to LaSalle one year. Before I did. Oh, I did too. I did uh, uh, when I was in Grubhub. <laughs> Grubhub. Oh, God. <laughs> you like the school? Jordan. Jordan. You, you like the school? You like the school? Um, yeah, I made it work for me. You know, it was, it was a dope experience. I think I met a lot of people that I uh, that I love. You know, so. The people that yeah, I don't I definitely know. Love less self. It's it's a new in mass, and it's oh, pretty cool up. because um, half the dorms are not even dorms; they're houses. So you pretty oh, much shit. live in these houses, man. These like Victorian houses in the middle of Newton Mass. That's just dope. It was a it was a cool experience. It was just it was too small for me. I, I was done with the uppity Connecticut crowd. A lot of <laughs> a lot of people there are from Connecticut, and I was like, I'm yeah. so I went I went to UMass Lowell, but LaSalle was cool. I, I had a couple friends there and stuff like that. Yeah. Nah, that's what's up, bro. That's um, you know, you from you from the same from the hometown, bro. You from the crib, so, so you know what it is. Three oh five. Oh yeah, big play. big's from Florida too. Big from Miami. Three oh five, baby. I said, I yo, I've been dog. I've been out here in in the D.C. area for for it'll be eight years this summer, and I haven't changed my my area code yet. I, I refuse to change my number. Like I got to keep something from home besides my fam. I got to keep that number, yo. Still got the three hundred five. So uh, I know what it my is. Heart. It broke my heart. The license plate and the license. So <laughs> yo, that should be crazy. I'm like, damn, I gotta trade my shit into Maryland and DC and shit. Come on now. I still got my Florida one. I never turned that shit in. <laughs> I never turned any of mine in. Yo, I got my New Jersey plates. <laughs> Quick question, because I know every time we get together, um, you know, we we get on, on our on our Cuban shit. As I got my shirt and you got your jersey, which I need to know where you get that from, because I need it in red. My favorite color is blue, but I don't want to like completely like take your style. Um, <laughs> one of the things we all know why you want red. Things... Shut your mouth. Twenty-four. <laughs> 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 We usually get into a Cuban shit, but then I found out you went to a predominantly black school, which is Morehouse. So what was the dynamic? Because, you know, once, you know, in Latin world, you get to, like, your Latin world. So what was it like, you know, going from, like, Latin world and then, boom, you're in Atlanta, which is basically the capital of black America. Fair enough to say that. What was that experience of going to Morehouse and then pretty much identifying with, like, um, it's a two-part question, so I'll get to the second part uh, later. Um identifying it with like blackness, especially living in America and being Latino. Morehouse was incredible because I got to dive into a part of me that uh was underexplored in, in some ways. Um and then I dove in so much that I uh it was evidence that this isn't me. You know, so uh we, we talked about so much history. Everything obviously in my chest, part, you know, but none of the history was Cuban. So it was a little space in terms of when I was there, I was in terms of everybody looked like me. Uh, I, I was not the you know tall black guy anymore. Everyone was tall black guys, and or just black guys. My house is an all men's school. Um, Martin Luther King went there. Um, but it was it was instrumental for my identity, 
it was instrumental for my character. And I left Morehouse. I was the man who I was going to be for the rest of my life. Formative. We would go to a, uh, our 8 a.m. classes in three-piece suits, and it was just hindered. Uh, yeah, so Morehouse was cool. Don't they have a slogan about that? Like, you you become a man or something, a Morehouse man or something? Uh, they're called Morehouse men, you know, guys that, that go to Morehouse. Um, right. And there's just standard uh, Renaissance man. Renaissance man, you pretty, you know, well-read, well-traveled, well-spoken. Um, so it's a really cool brotherhood. You know, I'd be walking out of my dorm, pull me in and be like, yo, let me fix your tie or let me fix your boat. Oh, actually, this tie goes better with that shirt on, you know, before you head out. I kind of love, uh, it was a group chat. So, yo, anybody need any math, homework, help? Knock on my door any time of the night. This is what I do. I'm good at math. And playing that for the type of writing, science, you know, econ, whatever. Um, and it was, was really a special place where everyone wanted each other to succeed. Uh, you really poured into, and as a black person, uh, so combine that with my Latino roots. It's like sometimes you're too black to be Latino, and sometimes you're too Latino to be black. So it was it was a lot of development and self voyage for myself, you know, uh, to really see who I was and, and who I was becoming. How that journey um, is always evolving. That that brings up something that I, I want to ask before um, Mike uh, jumps back in. Um, <clears throat> as you mentioned, that you found a part of your identity, you know, especially that of uh, as a black man in America. Um, do, do you feel, um, that being from Miami, like that sort of tempered a bit that you, you know what I'm saying? You're not the, especially when you're, when you're a, a black Latino, like we are, you, do you feel that, that it's not ex exposed as much, you know what I'm saying? As it should be. And, and it's crazy because Miami has such a deep, deep, like interesting, uh, black history in general. Latinidad is underrepresented in Miami for sure. Um, and and when you're underrepresented, you pretty much assimilate or you know try to blend in, especially as as you come in as you come in of age. So you know, I was I was really fortunate that my family looked like me. Uh, I felt at home, and also too, it's interesting because. The race exists everywhere. Um, the The lens on race from the United States is not the lens on race everywhere. Or despite there being similar themes of colorism or racism or what what, what you know what have you, so um, you know it, it's pretty interesting because I'm at a place now where I understand. I got a my american lens on race i really put on ones that are adequate for me and my upbringing i'm cuban so i put on my cuban lens on race 
Cuba. You're black, white, Indian, Chinese, redhead, you know, whatever, you know, you're just Cuban. It's within the constitution and it's illegal to identify as anything else. So when you look at that origin, which still has its themes of racism, like I mentioned, and colorism, there's understanding as to why Latinos and specifically Cubans, you know, they'd be like, oh, they can't believe that they're racist or that they're showing elements of racism. And that's your men and you put them in the United States. It was American lens on race when it's some completely different culture, a completely different place in the world, despite it being 90 miles. And so it's been, it's been liberating for me to really apply, you know, the goggles from where I'm from. I say it's also privilege too, because um, you know African Americans—they're really handed these goggles, these lens on race, and these are the ones they're used to evaluate the world around them in the United States and abroad. And mm-hmm. we kind of broad stroke things and just say, "Well, this is racism here," and when I see it anywhere in the world, this is exactly what it, it means. It's exact same thing that it means here over there. And it's just not true. Uh, Jordan, I want to cut you off real thanks, quick and just tell you, um, I think it's better if you if you cut your video so we could get your sound better. So it's not a lot less bandwidth. Yeah, we hear you, man. I think it'll be more, cool. not going to cut off cool. as much. It won't cut out. Yeah. No. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. It is... It, it's interesting you say that too, because I got two things. Um, Biggs, I ended up listening to um, because you two are from Florida. I ended up listening to this podcast with Uncle Luke, and he told a very mm. interesting story about Florida, particularly Miami. How before in the 1930s and 40s, Miami back in the day was what Atlanta is now. Mm-hmm. So meaning there was a lot of black people out there, like rich millionaires out there, like getting oh, yeah. money and really promoting, like I, I'm building wealth out there. Lemon, oh. Lemon City, all of that, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. So they were pretty much like the Black Wall Street of Miami out there, like really like getting money like that. And then, of course, you know, white people doing white people said they got rid of them. And then what happened was they were trying to get rid of the blacks and bring the whites in. But what happened is the whites didn't really like that environment. And they left and ended up going to other parts of the South, like North Carolina, South, Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. And it became an empty lot. So when it became a like, empty lot, that's when the Cubans took over and would be like, all right, this is ours. We're going to take it. So it's very interesting that Florida had that, in- that, 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 that story amongst black millionaires. I never knew that. Um, and the second part is, um, Jordan, you being, again, I, I want to bring a Morehouse again because I know they're very big on like you know on blackness but i had a friend of mine that went to college and you know they had a thing for like you know a safe space for black people but she was west indie so they wanted to have like a safe spot for west indies and you know to see if they could have something for them so they could like tell their stories and i remember her telling me there was a little bit of a conflict because you had black americans saying like why we got to learn about your stuff because everybody's black so if everybody's black you know i mean they just go like embrace our blackness and you had the West Indies saying, like, you know, yeah, that's um, that's cool, no, but we also got a story to tell, too, involving our blackness and our story and us being either immigrants or first generation. So we want to do, like, uh, uh, give us, like, a slot so we can represent us and tell our story. 
was Morehouse like that when it came to like, you know, non-black Americans? Or it was just like, you know, you just have to adapt to like black American, American, um, a black American lifestyle and their culture. A good question. I think um, through my lens and experience, I've always been someone who recently adapts to my environment. Um, when I was in my house, you know, I completely dove in. Um, and I, I've always been good at kind of, you know, time and, and space. And, you know, in Morehouse, it just wasn't time for Afro-Latini that, you know, or Afro-Huani. That's what it was. And it wasn't a bad thing for me as someone who um, I've never felt like I got to bang my chest and be like, yo, but me, but me, but me, you know. Um, but I would say Morehouse had a specific focus on Af on the African-American experience. And, and they did a fantastic job catering to african-americans uh, making people like me black people who aren't from america or you know what have you um of ourselves and our and feel proud we were proud of how we looked uh and how we walked and and how our difference affected you know specifically at that one institution but um for sure, you know, pretty much wherever you are is a demagogy where the dominant culture is the one people got to adapt to. And, you know, um, uh, my favorite professor there was my history teacher. My history teacher was uh, Dr. Spruill. He used to go in, he used to go in and, and teach us life, you know, uh, especially from the Black lens America. I used to holler at him. Be like, yo, that's incredible. About Cuba. Me and him would talk about uh, Cuba uh, for like 30, 45 minutes after my favorite professor all time. But it was just incredible because we used to go so deeply in that there, there came a time where I was disconnected. Yeah. You know, like that's not my experience. That's not what my grandparents, great grandparents was on. They was in Cuba. So it to felt love. I felt, you know, I felt everything in my heart. But it made me really turn into myself, like, okay, what about me or who am I? You know, and it wasn't in my opinion, their responsibility as to stay on topic. That's not what that school was for. You know, it's like going to uh, Jose Marti. Uh, you know, and and wanting wanting to hear about your stuff, um, but now nah, Morehouse, Morehouse, the intellect level, uh, you know, if I could say, my time there was, was to to have a conversation about, uh, you know, the West Indies, uh, Africans, uh, Europe, uh, Black Europeans, and beyond, and uh, from my takeaway from it. Okay, that's what's up. So, right after um, you, you know, you eventually you came up north and you came to to Mass, ended up going to LaSalle. So, um, when when did um, <laughs> when you you got you went to Morehouse and you really got your put black on. So you came up here. When did you um, when you got your when did you get your Cuban wake up call? <laughs> uh, it's never really been, you know, uh. 
representation of Afro-Cubans in my family. That's it. You yeah. know, so it, it wasn't you know, eventually, really... You know, eventually, you, you, eventually you, you got to come home because that's what happened to me when I was um, in school. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's fair to say out of like all black people, either Latino, um, black Americans, Canadian kids, black American, it, it, it has... It's fair to say it has the most intriguing, fascinating story. So once you learn about Black American history, it's just like so deep and so like it's so fascinating that you 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 get hooked. So I could just imagine you going to Morehouse, you you really really get hooked, and you go to like this deep rabbit hole of learning, you know, Black shit. But then yeah. again, like that's that's not our story, more you than mine, because you're from Cuba and I'm first generation. But us being Black, we got to go through the same nonsense that. Black America go through with discrimination and racism. So as much as you get to your pro-Black American thing, you eventually got to come home. I, I know I, I had to come yeah. home. I had to come home heavy because, you know, my grandfather had, had, uh, had a few talks with me. So you, you have to come back and, you know, learn, learn the Cuban roots. And I know you always know yours, but after you left Morehouse, what was that? Like, you know, you kind of come back and, and you, you know, ha- having to identify more with the Cuban, Cuban, Cuban side. You know, uh, completely in disarray. Ain't know who I was. I was crosswired. I was never, never seen a white person before I came up here. And, and okay. no, nah, that's no exaggeration or no, no, no that, joke. That, you know, that's like, real that, shit, bro. Especially when you no, no, from Miami, you you don't. I mean, you'll see white Cubans, white Latinos, or whatever, but it's not. No. It's not the same in the sense culturally or the way they carry themselves, the way they look. You you know how you get out there, bro. You get you see them oh. Irish and Italians. Shit, it, it ain't Massachusetts. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> so so none of that. So I came up here, you know, complete disarray. Then I had to learn. Was fighting it for a long time, um, especially with my new sense of pride, my new sense of understanding of self. It wasn't uh, you know I I did have to submit and, and allow myself to grow in a new direction, completely new direction. It was good for me. But when I came back home to Cuba, you know, uh, mentally, it's really around politics. It's unfortunate because people laughing at Cubans, you know, um, that I'm supposed to be down with. You know, I see people talking badly about Cubans. I see people discrediting the Cuban experience based on how we vote here in the United States. And I'm supposed to be down with him. And, and I'm such an emotional person. I'm so sensitive. I meet one Irish person. I'll never talk bad about Irish people. And I've seen people that I know know me, that I know know I'm Cuban, you know, laugh or talk badly about Cubans or talk badly about Miami and Florida. And I'm, you know, wait. Like, I know my family got on a raft three times. Uh, I know I didn't see my grandma, the first person I remember loving, for a reason. You know, so I said, okay, hold on. I really got to be, it's okay for me to be direct about who and what I care about for real. You know, so I've removed thoughts around white. I removed thoughts around black. I've really zeroed down on Cuban, which is something I've never done before. It's never been my turn never been like i said my identities uh time it's never been you know i've never it's never been 
you know, cool for us. Nobody ever want to hear our story. So I'm always, you know, adapting, whatever, you know, I'm a, I'm a nice dude. So I'm just like, you know, a lot of respect regardless. When I saw our country getting laughed at, when I saw people uh, misrepresent what was happening on my island, when I saw people kind of negate the experience and the trauma of the, of the Cuban experience and the Cuban lived experience, I'm like, okay, then I'm not tripping. You know, I'm not tripping about standing by what I stand on, whether the person next to me is a white Cuban, uh, redhead Cuban, black Cuban, you know, and that color shit really didn't matter um, and doesn't matter. It's it's really about a person's character, in my opinion. And again, that's coming back home. When you say coming back home to Cuba, I'm coming back home to how Cubans view race. You know, two Cuban best friends will be completely different looking in, in all aspects, you know, and and that's really what I was brought up on. My, my mom and dad are black. It was never on, on anything about race. So there was always like, love, be a good person, find somebody a character, be friends with. And now that I'm there, it's liberating because a lot of the 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 whoopties and the and the hoopla and, and like the smoke screens that people try to pull on the way my my uh, skin color looks or other people skin color other people's skin color may look shit is ineffective for me you know like and i'm not falling for it i'm not even not even playing with it it's just not me you know? and, and when i pretend it's me or if i pretend it's me uh and i'm again neglecting my upbringing my grandmother my cuban roots my the jokes i like the you know my mix of liking hip-hop and and bolero and bachata and reggaeton and salsa you know like uh, when you when you completely dive in, you ignore all that shit, you know, unless it's for, you know, a party or a turn up, and that's really how I grew up. So uh, paying attention to that and, and that internal voyage where myself has been liberated. Facts, facts. Yeah, man. So my my other question I wanted to ask because you you had to come back home. Um, of course, um, we all know about July 11th, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't, long story short, something happened in July 11th, I had my mom here last year, she gave, you know, her story, she told her story, shout out to mom. Um, July 11th what, happened. Uh, what happened July 11th? Oh, I forgot you weren't here for that episode. I think oh, you were. were oh, but, did you hear the episode right. when my mom was for the, for the audience too, man, the new audience. You know, we don't okay, we have to remind audience, us. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. A, quick short, a short version, a short brief version. Yeah, long story, long story story. Um, July 11th, 2021, big manifestation happened in Cuba. Um, for the first time, probably last freaking six decades, a big manifestation happened where the people of Cuba took over, took, took to the streets and protest and pretty much said they had enough of the system. They won new change. They won the government out of there. And that was the first time that ever happened because the country instilled so much fear towards the people. They never really wanted to, like, you know, speak against them. You know, right. the country did a good job on keeping them silent. But July 11th was the first time that ever happened. And, you know, when you leave Cuba and you tell people the atrocity and just the horror and the terror they got to go through, they, people think they're exaggerating or they just, they just don't believe that a country could be this cruel to their own people. So another thing that America, eh, 
they've done it is say, well, you know, we won't do anything until the people of Cuba do something and, you know, show some sort of manifestation and then we'll be with them. So the first time ever that happened, they took to the street, they protest, they rioted. Just think of it of like, you know, the same equivalent happened with George Floyd when people took to the streets and they did whatever they do to voice their anger and frustration. And it happened for like at least a whole week. When that happened, different part of the states where they have like, you know, mostly Cubans, they did their own personal protesting. They um from Miami, from Jersey, New York, even from Canada, and even from Boston. You know, we did our thing out here and Jordan played a big part on that. Um Jordan and Sam, shout out to Sam, they both did a big part of it. So um if you wanna tell us um when July eleventh, first of all, where were you when that happened? And second of all, what did you do to play your part and take over to this position to have people to manifest in Boston? Well, I saw this, you know, great, great historic moment happening on the island and the world on the support. And I didn't see a, a platform in Boston, Massachusetts uh, to do the same. So we'll jump right to action. And turned it turned it around and created a space in in less than forty eight hours. So the the protest uh, in Cuba happened on a Sunday, manifesting here in Boston on Tuesday. And I met the girl that um, Michael just mentioned Sunday eleven forty on on Instagram. So we were talking, and then realized we were both in Boston. And I liked her because we were on a Instagram live and she made a oriented. She essentially said something along the lines of create a template where we can all copy to our local representative. Said, okay, word. And I added her. We was talking. She said, she looked at my profile. I said, oh, you're a Boston. Oh, she said, me too. And she wanted to do something next Sunday. I said, no, we got to do something. <laughs> on Tuesday, and you know, we we the work created flyers and things out lying on, you know, with the strength of social media, which is what the Cuban government took away from the protesters in Cuba as soon as they started going out. And we we had a platform, you know, about a hundred Cubans. Austin came out that day, a hundred, hundred twenty, um, and it was incredible because. You know, people got to had a space to voice their support for what was happening on the island from newly arrived immigrants to second and third generation Cubans to partners of Cubans um, that have that know the struggle. They all came out in support. And I the second one was a rumba, right? The second one was a rumba. Uh, Doña Havana. I mean, now nah, I'm, I'm thinking of Jersey. Yeah, Doña Havana, I'm sorry. The second was in Doña, Doña Havana, right? Yeah. Okay, that's the one that I showed up. Okay, so the second one, my mom knew the owner, so she called me about that, and I was like, no question. We out here. And the fun thing about it, like my mom, because you told me there were like 100 people that one, and because we know the the, po the population with Cuban and Boston is amongst more, she was like, yo, I'll be happy with 60 people. And I think yeah. that's, I think that I think the second one had the largest one. Can we, is it fair to say that? No, it, it had a great concentrate. It had a, the second one had a lot of great momentum I, um, and definitely yeah. a lot of people. 
yeah, that was that that one really showed up. And um that's the one that I that's the one where I met you or whatever and we broke bread. And I think the third one that I showed up to, that's the moment we had a conversation that said, Yo, let's let's build. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. And I wanted to do something that you did. I just didn't know how to go about it because in my head, I'm thinking there's freaking 74 people, in, 74 kids in Boston. <laughs> yeah. so, I'm, I'm, I'm still no, thinking no, the, the cause was so great. The cause was so great. I didn't care if, if just one more Cuban showed up, you know, and we look like silly people in the street because this has been the most important thing I've ever done in my life. You know, this is me standing my country in a time that's going to be historic and I'm doing my part to raise the people on the island who are in silence or murdered or kidnapped or beaten or speaking something different speaking so um, it, it didn't matter to me if I was alone you know in the corner luckily you know, a lot of uh, other Cubans in Boston felt that way, and they showed up. They've continued to activate, and it's been great. Yeah. You know, and a lot of really cool relationships have been formed, like like this one with Michael. Yeah. Remind me, I think Ruffles, guys, question, Dominican guys. I got a question to ask y'all. Um, you guys doubled the dictator still with Rahim, correct? Yeah. You, you, yeah. well, you guys not are, us personally, since we but, not no, us you're, 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 therefore, people, but like our parents, parents and yeah. our grandfathers. Well, yeah, not okay. parents, our grandfathers. So, no, our parents. Yeah, so, well, yeah, your parent, well, Kelvin, because parents, because uh, Kelvin's dad is like eighty, almost. Jesus he Christ. had Kelvin. He had Kelvin when he was fifty. Jesus Christ! He really he was like, I want to find a family. He, he enjoying his time, bro. Yeah. I'm gonna do what I can. I respect the move. I respect the move. What is it with like through here sympathizing that they still like rock with him to an extent? It's similar to most, to most, I would say, to most uh, dictator situations where the economy was good. Yeah. But the, the economy... There was stability and there was a certain order to yeah. things, not, not just like in, in, you know, things being structured. Um, but there's, there's like a order in society oh, and it's easy for people. Like, you don't have to think too much to do things. You know where exactly. you are, you know what I'm saying? Like, like a, it's a social like being told what to do. And the yeah, government, that's, that's that's a real thing. They, and they, the government they, was the only one doing the killing and the, and the, and the taxing. Uh, <laughs> okay. In a way, that's, yeah. that's not far from the truth. No, no, no. Go ahead, crack. <laughs> There was also a bunch of people who were living good and high, you know, like yeah. uh, through he just went to San Cristobal, right? So he took care of those people, and those people were good. I mean, you know, and, and even outside of that, man, it's just all, like, the, all the people, uh, the, the managers you know, white, of all these uh, white these Dominicans had it good, you know, people had it good, <clears throat> yeah. But he, he, um, he just kind of kept that, that sort of, uh, <clears throat> The he created a space where it's like within this things are gonna run this way and they did so in a way he kept his work and and he knew how to manipulate people and and because he's a smart dude he really was he just a lot you know of the dictators like, are smart yeah, yeah, yeah like Pinochet right. you know what I'm saying like the, you know, yeah. Pinochet was foul bro like super foul oh. and and yet you know what I'm saying like he he stayed in power for 17 years. 
other, after he after he he had a uh, Allende killed. Other than like old Dominicans loving fascists and shit like that, it excuse me. It um <laughs> it also comes down it also comes down to the power vacuum that's created right when someone like that is gone. Mm-hmm. So it it creates like just this negative fucking void where you know you put someone there in power and they have that control whether it be elected or not in our case it was elected and then shit happened and then there was another election and then fucking they stole a shit ton of money made a shit ton of you know business deals that only that only um don't forget your air quotes when you're saying elections yeah other election yeah (laughs) um (laughs) um yeah so like and then all that stuff just kind of left like a negative, like like a bad taste in, in like a lot of these old heads' mouth. And so they look back and they're like, "Damn, we had it so good with with this guy." Um, whether whether or not you know he was like fucking completely horrible, like life was good. Now we're in a shitty situation, but it's also just because of that power vacuum that was created when he was gone, and just putting shitty people up in power. Right. There was no there was never a plan like to, to what have, to do. After. Yeah. What to do after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I t- I, I right? It was like, it's let's like, get um, rid of him. Let's get rid of him. And and then we all throw our hands up. It's like the lack I, of the steel. It's like that. Well, uh, um, a dictator. One of the, the biggest problems that they have is that you eliminate like the minor leagues of politicians, right? Like there's no people trying to be a politician and, yeah. and like there's no reason to even study political science if you're like in college because you're, you're in the middle of a dictatorship, you're 20 years in. And I never really thought about that, right? Like it eliminates and then, that and even the potential. So people that a 10 year old that maybe um, think about be a politician when they grow up, that, that's just not even a possibility. And, then that's, not, and, and that's part Bo- of it, right? Well, um, Bo- ready. Yeah, but Juan Bosch studied outside. Right. Yeah, he he right. was. He Americans didn't the want him. That's the only reason he wasn't there. But but, yeah, but yeah. then the thing is, is the other issue is to yeah, what Kraken was saying. Through, yeah. Okay. So the other issue with that is to what Kraken said is that now <laughs> nobody else that doesn't have like the mobility that Juan Bosch had right to move outside of the country and 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 study right is right. is stuck not being able to study right. so then they're ill prepared so then the only people prepared mm-hmm. guess what is the people that were under the fucking dictator right so you end up having these yeah, fucking... Balaguer, papi. yeah exactly so right i mean Balaguer, shitty so, government. wasn't balaguer um yeah he was like he was right hand man yeah it was it was him it was three people bro that really ran shit under trujillo and and the three of them, after the fact, made out like bandits, pretty and, much. And, and how long was Balaguer in power? <clears throat> Balaguer was time. in power for a, long a total time. of twenty-two years after. Yeah, after I was gonna Trujillo say like, was killed, but, but he kept getting like, elected. Years, he, he kept getting elected. <laughs> yeah, the only one who uh, was close was uh, Peña Gomez. And then Balaguer was president. Was he elected or was he elected? No, that so, was the only so, one that he lost. I think uh, a lot of people so say he, Peña, Peña Gomez had that one. He and lost. Then... He lost several elections. Actually, he lost. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know about that. I was in DR he, at that time too. He was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was in. Um, he was elected in '66. That was after the 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 invasion. The the Marines showed up. Fuera tropa yanqui. Ya tu sabes, loco. Like that shit is crazy. The, so, that be, that between... actually impacted my own family history. You know. 
So right. El Tipo ganó in 66 once they, the, the uh, elections were held. And he kind of held on to power till 78. So he won three elections. And in 78, the, 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 pa the party that was founded by Juan Bosch, but he was no longer part of El Perrete, they won. And they were in power for eight years. That was uh, Salvador Jorge Blanco. And then, um, <clears throat> and then uh, no, not Salvador Jorge Blanco, Antonio Guzman. Antonio who I heard was very good, too. Yo, like the, one of the best presidents in, in Dominican history, right? But he 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 died by suicide. He killed they himself. They say he killed himself with air quotes. Yeah, oh, the, the supposedly his, yeah. his, yeah. his daughter has a has something to do with with him um, dying. <clears throat> so it's pretty fucking wild. Um, and then Jorge Blanco, um, well, Antonio eh, Jacobo Masluta was in power for the last few months of that. Jacobo Masluta, el pri. El perre, yeah. just like I'm Mexico. This is why but, I told you, Jordan, this man's the Bible. <laughs> and then, um, then in 82, um, that's when Jorge Blanco won, and he came from another powerful uh, Dominican family, and he was about to 86, but he let a lot of corruption rock. And that the, the and then IMF, came back to sweet things over, yo, and then it was Pele de all day because that's what he, he runs for office in 94, right? And he had Peña Gomez against him, who was the leader of El PRD. And Peña Gomez won, like, by a landslide, basically. You know what this motherfucker did at the, the electoral luz. board? The light, he cut the lights out. When Se fue la luz, papá. Ganó Balaguer al otro día Yo, en el periódico. You know, you know what's crazy? That Jimmy Carter had to show up and say, you need to clear this shit up, homeboy. So isn't what Balaguer did... <laughs> isn't that what like, happened in Mexico, too? Yeah. Like, in the 80s? That in That's what they did yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. It comes out in Narcos, right? Yeah, yeah Narcos, yeah, Mexico, Narcos. yeah. Yeah, That's so it's like when they when they cut the the lights out in the in the late what was it the late eighties or mid eighties the, the counting yeah. machines they, they yeah they, they, cut, they all the and that shit was all it was a computer system that was designed mm -hmm. by them to, to avoid yep. this shit <laughs> imagine, still fucking imagine Donald <laughs> when, Trump when in that era wouldn't shut up the power yeah. <laughs> like super foul behavior right so so yeah but like yeah, he basically was was he couldn't keep getting away with it. He was already in his 80s, so so uh, Jimmy Carter and and other you know other organizations put put their foot on his neck and said, "Bro, you are not gonna let this shit. You're not gonna win for another whole four years." So they they made him run elections two years later, and um and he basically created a succession plan. He let Leonel Fernandez and El PLD. Mm -hmm. He let good. Juan Bosch's party his win without time. Juan Bosch being in power. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a gangster out there. Oh, yeah, 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 you're professors of that's, corruption. That's Dominican politicians, bro. Yeah, man. And that's yeah. the thing. And, and and that's the thing. So that's why you see, like, a lot of that, like, oh, man, the good old days, Trujillo, dictators. People, like, people what the want fuck stability. is wrong with you? But, yeah, yeah, but again, Kelvin, you look at the economy. And, in that sense. <laughs> and what I was going to say is I think dictators and all dictators are pretty, they want their country to become a power no matter what to sacrifice even including sometimes their own which is th that is the fault but when you not look at it again the, by the, thinking their own don't matter and the power exactly. is all that matters not sometimes the power yeah, and the country and the name and the name yeah. this is the Dominican Republic this is Russia this is Italy yeah, yeah. they want to put that remember Germany Hitler, the reason uh, uh, Hitler was good in Germany because he said he was going to put Germany up here that was his main selling point we're going to bring Germany back just like somebody said the other day, bring make America great again, right? 
So it's yeah. that mentality. <laughs> so and I on it today, boy. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah. and this is the this is the thing where where a lot of people still like it is because of uh, or still gravitate a little towards it because of the economy. But it's just too much a price to pay. It's too much blood for that for the economy to be that good. There's other ways of doing that, and then you get the new people that come in after dictators who don't care about the country at all, and then just care about their pocket, and then that ends oh, up. That's yeah. why our countries are fucked. Norman Chomsky was talking about that today, and uh, I sent a clip about him talking about like how he's 93 years old, and the same um, when he was younger, he heard Hitler through the radio, and when he hears Trump do his rallies and stuff like that, he hears this, he feels like it's the same type of energy, and like he's yeah. saying that the clock, the doomsday clock, is getting it's actually a hundred seconds away from doomsday that's like it's it was i i saw like the uh parts of the interview and i'm i'm still reading through the that's, the all, that's all fake it's news all right trump 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 is different not my trump you gotta watch God. earthquake nigga, on netflix that's it it's funny i'm gonna watch that it's, it's from that yeah. leave some other questions jordan how how annoying is it every time you see like Cubans vote, voting highly for Trump and we have to they always ask us a fucking question like why do we have to vote why do we vote for him the way that we do you don't have to get that question because I fucking do like what the fuck representative yeah. for all Cubans yeah no uh, <laughs> uh, that topic is always uh, Christmas dinner you know me that's awkward <laughs> conversations bro with your uncles and stuff. <laughs> no, 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 not for me, because oh, okay. me, I'm somebody, um, you know, politics doesn't penetrate my family. Good, good. Regardless yeah. of what we, what we, we move different. Think. Think. You hear it, Dominican? We move different. No, we don't, we, we don't stop talking. I think Americans do that more. Latinos still talk to their family. Yeah. It's just like yeah, it's I remember. Li- li- listen, right. I'll let you finish, Jordan. I'm sorry because I just came. My when my uncle died of COVID when in the se- in the in the funeral, Kelvin, uh, K Rod. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's this uh, okay. a cousin of my father who's a huge Trump supporter. He's always talking about it on Facebook. And as soon as he was walking up to to to, to say hi to us, my dad was like, "Apuesto que le doy dos minutos para que hable de, de Trump." Saludó a sí mismo. <laughs> que pena que esto. But you see what's happening in this, and my dad was like, "Yeah, we're in this You don't find a seat, and he went. But it's not like he hates him. It's like <laughs> this guy just doesn't shut up. Yeah, it's like, yeah, a, it's yeah, like yeah. a sport to them. Like at that yeah. point, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. entertainment. It's a sport. Right. It's a sport. But it, oh, it's, it's common. Like, it, uh, go ahead, Jordan. No, I'll say for for us personally, my family would, you know, we're never gonna jump up and down about. Or that person, like to your comment of you know, me coming in with a MAGA hat, even if I was MAGA down, like you'd never hear me talking about that or wearing any paraphernalia just because we don't get that. And I think that's one of the things I'm really thankful for because you know, people get behind ideas and get behind like uh initiatives and act like they care about things that they really don't. Um, and I'm just not one of those people. You know, and and you do a good job, I think, 
politics and real life and other kind of controversial topics, possibly religion, sex, uh, and even race. We, we, you know, those are very intimate topics to an individual person, but people really, you know, one of the, the things I hate, Mike, even more than like, being associated with Cubans and, and, and I guess Trump or Republican is, um, I hate getting people walking up to me and talking about like Democrat shit, like because I'm black or something. Like that's just so corny to me. Yeah, no, no, that's just so corny to me. And then, yeah, and and I know I'm not in my circle. Everybody's comfortable, and they'll throw something out like, "Yo, communism, yeah," or socialism. I'm, I'm just like. Bro, what? I'm like, I'm like, get my gun. What you said, communism? <laughs> That's crazy. I'm like, get my gun. No, no, no. Get my gun. <laughs> even when I, even when I didn't know, even even when I, didn't, like that 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 always struck me as something that, you know, kind of made my stomach do salt somersaults. I knew we got on the raft for a reason, even when I didn't know anything about this. So, um, you know, more having to explain why Cubans, because I I don't, you know, and like. Uh, that's what it is, like, especially after, you know, tell me what, who supported I-11 initiatives and who didn't, who was laughing at the Cuban, you know, like, that's, that's my, that's my immediate trauma. That's, um, you know, I, I know one way or another, I'm all, and I never really engaged with politics talk with, with folks anyways, you know, I'm just like, mm-hmm, okay. Um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, smart it's just because it's all corny to me and everyone wants us you know like uh, there's so many other interesting topics like did you see a movie are you what's your hobby you know are you into any sports different stuff like that like people let politics penetrate their home their family and their mind you know in a way where you got to know your scope of influence Mm -hmm. what can you actually impact and change beyond like that's a different tier different level and uh, and to me unless you're donating or spending your time in something or like running for office to change something you you, exactly. you just jibber jabbing you just jibber jab and i don't i don't want to hear it you don't care about that you know i think if you care you're giving money to it you're spending your time on it or you're running for a, a public seat to be a public servant to make that change if not you know you got to get out my face with that finger pointing and that's a bad guy and that's a good guy like that's just corny to me. You 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 know, because I'm about lot... my two things. My two things are action and accountability. If you're not on none of that, mm. like, don't even mention anything to to a person like me. So so I think a lot of you... us. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So, so how how do you how do you in, engage with the people that do that are engaged with with, with change and stuff like that, right? So. I understand, like, there's a bunch of people who talk to politics and stuff like that, and, you know, they, they see it as sport. But, and then, what's the engagement with folks that don't see it as sport, that they are trying to make changes? Um, is that something that comes up, or is that something that stays within the confine of whatever they're doing? Well, you know, it's, for me, it starts with understanding my scope of influence. Like, the people who are about that action that I'm talking about, we're we're pretty much on the ground level. We're we're not at a federal level. We're not at a state level. Um, and so, 
you know, what I use to discern, discern what kind of conversation I'm having with those people is really what kind of topics are we talking about even within that? Because again, the chance that our scope of influence is very limited, you know, we're not getting votes or seats in Congress. So we got to talk about is what we're doing locally. So like, what events are we doing? You know, right. how are we organizing? How are we connecting? Right, right. You know, but if we get to, you know, Oh, 